Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October the 8th, 2021, and today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 90. We are reading the first paragraph that begins, When You Discover a Prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous. Today's readers for the 12 Steps, Barb W., the 12 Traditions, Katie G., readers of the text are Nancy T. and Sam S., our newcomer greeter is Silvana G., and our second hour host is Leslie M., and thank you all for your service. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, October 7th, 2021, For the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 17,844. That's 17884. And for the 10 a.m. Meeting, it's 17,886. That's 17886. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Barb W. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Barb W., gratefully recovered in Illinois. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for your service, Lisa, and I pass. Thank you, Barb W. 
And I will now ask Katie G to please read the 12 traditions. Hey, Lisa. Good morning. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one primary, excuse me, (laughs) there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Katie G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask you to keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter, Working with Others, on page 90. We're going to read and comment on the first paragraph that begins, When You Discover a Prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll now ask Nancy T. to please begin reading. Thank you, Lisa. This is Nancy. Can I be heard? You can. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Lewiston, Idaho. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they are dealing with a sick person. So, you know, I have 
had lots of experience in and out of this program over the years, and I've had amazing sponsors, and I've learned something from each of them. But um, one of the things I've noticed is the um, their protocol, I guess you'd call it, for if a person keeps slipping when you start working with him. And that's the don't waste time trying to persuade him is not talking about somebody who wants to stop but can't. This is talking about, in this paragraph, somebody that doesn't want to stop. And obviously, I'm not going to try to persuade somebody that doesn't want to stop because it just won't work if they don't want to. I can't talk anybody into wanting to or being willing. But I do run across a lot of times people that want to stop but can't keep the food down. And I've had sponsors over the years that their theory is just kick them to the curb. They'll come back when they're ready. You know, they're just not desperate enough. And I've had others that have, um, you know, kind of wanted to handhold and pat them on the head and say it's going to be okay. And and I don't do either of those, but I have found sponsors that kind of work in the gray area. And how can I be helpful to this person? Obviously, I'm not going to take somebody through the steps that is still um, indulging in their binge foods. It would be like trying to work with an alcoholic who's drunk. It just doesn't work. Um, but I can, you know, it says that family should be patient, realizing they're dealing with a sick person. Well, so should I as their sponsor. You know, they're coming in pretty beat up, pretty mangled. They're hopeless. They're desperate. They're, well, I hope they're desperate. That usually helps. But they um, often have physical ailments as well as just being the spiritual malady, which is the biggest thing. But I try to say, okay, you couldn't put down the food. So we talk about what happened for they picked up. We come up with a plan. Okay, is there a more frequent check-in throughout the day that you can do? Not just with me. They can't be calling me 20 times a day, obviously. But let's set up a, a call list that you have of people that you can check in with throughout the day. And um, maybe it even requires, do you have a buddy that you can be accountable to when you go to the store? Um, you know, just some things to get them through those first few days when it's really hard. But I do try to be patient. And, you know, you can, you can try so many things. I mean, of course, after a while, I have to decide maybe they just aren't ready yet. But I don't um, just throw the baby out with the bathwater right away. I, you know, if they want to stop, that's the question. If they want to stop, I try to help them in whatever way I can get those few days under their belt so we can get into the steps. And then when we do get into the steps, I go quickly. You know, I think when you need to save your life, you need to get through them quickly. Um, anyway, that's my take on that paragraph, and thank you for allowing me to be of service. I'll pass with that. Thank you, Nancy T. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share on what was read? Sam S. Sam. Melissa this C. This is Larry. Larry K. Melissa C. Larry K. A couple more. Cindy B. Katie F. Cindy B. Katie F. Sandy S. Okay. Sandy S. Okay, that is a great lineup. I have Sam S, Melissa C, Larry K, Cindy B, Katie F, and Sandy S. So Sam S, please share with us. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks for leading. I'm Sam S. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. 
um, this paragraph, what really stands out for me and the surrounding paragraphs too is wanting to stop. Um, and it's important for me as a potential sponsor to not only hear, but to watch uh, what someone that I'm speaking with is um, is saying when they're telling me that they want to stop. I know for me personally, I said for a really long time that I wanted to stop, but then as soon as someone asked me to do something, I was full of you know, justifications, here's why it doesn't work. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to define my own abstinence. And um, I'll be honest, if you put me on, on a mountaintop, I can come down and tell you that God told me that chocolate was a vegetable. So I really have to um, to make sure that when I'm talking to someone that if they are saying that they want to stop, are their feet doing uh, what their what their mouth is doing? You know, are they kind of taking that action? And I didn't for a really long time. You know, I would I would uh, fight back, ask questions, uh, yeah, but, and uh, and I couldn't really do that uh, until I was really done, and the food was what beat me and. I had to look at, you know, not only my alcoholic foods, but also my behaviors that I was engaging in to try to control everything and uh, be willing to completely surrender that so that way I could work the the 12 steps. Um, I really thought that I had this wonderful relationship and faith with God, but I wasn't actually doing any action or any work work, uh, regarding it. And you know, something that I've learned is like there's a squirrel for every nut and I might not be somebody's nut and the way that I work my program might not work for someone and I just might not be their teacher. Maybe I'm just there to plant the seed. Maybe they're there to teach me something about myself. Um, And I've, I've, I've had a lot of learning opportunities where I get really upset and offended and I think that I want to work more and and really learning that like I can't even fight my own disease so trying to fight somebody else's and negotiate is really futile Um, I'm just really really grateful I'm grateful for the surrender that I had after years of trying to find every middle of the road solution and work the program my own way and define I mean defining my own abstinence was that it was like hopping, hopping this way and that way and this way and that way to justify what I wanted to do that day. And it just, it didn't work for me. Um, So I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful that we have a program that's clear cut. And I'm really grateful that it says want to stop, not want to hear me preach about why, why people should stop because that, that never worked for me. Um, I don't know if it works. Oh, perfect. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sam S. And Melissa C., you're up, followed by Larry K. Hi, good morning. Thanks so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, um, you know, it's it's what I hear in this paragraph, what, what I really see is wanting to stop, not wanting to stop the consequences of the eating, but actually wanting to stop eating. And there's a point, you know, I know for myself where I think it wasn't even the consequences anymore. It was, I couldn't stand like living with the food and I couldn't imagine life without the food. And, you know, for me, it was a point where the food just stopped working. And that is like a glorious spot to be in. And I think, um, 
you know, there's lots of people that we meet along the way who, and I'm so glad Nancy said it, who they do want to stop, but they need help. They, you know, they need help. And that's very different. I think, you know, we can kind of determine that. I've been able to a little bit um, by give someone something to do. You know, we're told willingness, you know, is, um, into, you know, indispensable. It's the key that unlocks the door. It's, it allows God's grace to enter. And so, um, you know, give them something to do. And that, for me, is like a really good determination, you know, like helps to determine if they're, if they really do want to stop. And, you know, the other thing that when I read this, um, you know, my daughter recently seems to really be one of us. I see it. She put on an enormous amount of weight in a really short amount of time, and I see how she's eating. And, you know, I mentioned something to her recently, just that her room was disgusting. <laughs> and I said, um, you can't eat in your room. It, you know, you, you're, we're going to get bugs. You've got to clean your room. It's disgusting. And um, I said, just eat downstairs. Just sit at the table, sit in the kitchen and eat. She said, I can't. And I was like, what? And she's like, you are constantly looking at what I eat. And here I am thinking that I don't say a word. But she knows me and she knows my expression. And then she said to me, Mom, I don't want any help. I am happy eating. I don't want to stop, but I know where to go if and when I do. And I thought, holy smokes, <laughs> you know, shut my mouth. Um, so that's really what I got from this paragraph. Um, we don't help people who aren't interested in being helped. Thanks for that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Larry K., you're up, followed by Cindy B. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is Larry Cake, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil la later opportunity. You know, one, one reason might be that, that people do not want to be influenced. You know, human beings actually are motivated to resist persuasion. In fact, uh, when we try to persuade someone, their, their natural inclination is avoidance or counter argument, you know. You ever go on Facebook and you see the people that are trying to persuade, you know, uh, people uh, with their opinions? Makes us cringe, doesn't it? Regardless of what their opinion is, I know it makes me cringe. People don't want to be told what to do. You know, when pushed, what we do as human beings is we raise our defenses. It's like we have a, a sort of uh, anti-persuasion radar You'll even hear it on the line here. You know, sometimes people will share, not so much on what was read in the paragraph, but rather they'll share, you'll hear strong resistance and unsolicited counter arguments to what someone else has shared. And they're human. They're just like me. They're human. And they do it in subtle ways, and sometimes we do it in not so subtle ways. So as human beings, we're capable of feeling threatened by what's you know, what, what people are trying to, to, to persuade us to do. And our, our anti-persuasion radar goes up. So what this paragraph teaches me is that giving people directives isn't particularly effective, you know, in carrying this message for sure. People who are hurting are infinitely more interested in, in what your experience is rather than a directive from us on what, you know, they feel we need to do. 
So even if someone asks me, hey, Larry, tell me what to do, I'll probably say, well, you know what, let's see what the big book instructs us here. Maybe we both can find out, you know. And also for me, I try to ask questions rather than make statements. For example, you know, hey, I couldn't stop eating. And this program of action, this spiritual program of action is the only thing that's worked for me. Do you suppose it might work for you? I don't know. What do you think? You know, it, what it does is it shifts their, the listener's role, you know, from counter-arguing uh, and, and thinking about all the reasons something won't work. They begin to work out in their minds how it, how it will work. You know, the disease doesn't need my help as a co-persuader. It can do the job wonderfully well all by itself, and that's what I needed. I needed to be kicked in the you-know-what by this disease. That was my great persuader. Nothing you were going to say was going to persuade me. And then when the disease beat me down, oh, was I ready to listen. So with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Cindy B., you're up, followed by KDF. Hi, thank you. This is Cindy B. from the Boston area, um, uh, recovering bulimic and um, overeater. So, you know, the first part of this, um, talks about finding out as much as you can about them. And, you know, both when I have asked someone to be my sponsor in the past at different times um, and when I have uh, taken on sponsees, um, I really respect it when somebody really wants to know my story and not just assumes that I am, you know, just you know, uh, like them or um, over, you know, just uh, just compulsive overeater, you know, like uh, over the board, that um, that my story uh, is is important to 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 be heard and to be listened to. Um, I I know for me I've uh, both um, on both sides where I have just assumed something about someone, and um, and then later found out that that wasn't at all um, the way that they were. Or I've had people assume things about me, and you know that can build a resentment in the very beginning um, of a relationship because it's a really important relationship, the sponsor-sponsee relationship. It's a very delicate, delicate balance of how much can you, how much can you hold space for someone to be in recovery, and how much can you also allow them their process and their own path. Um, you know, if someone doesn't want to stop, you know, binging or eating or whatever, um, you know, it, it really is, um, they're already in pain. Um, you know, I know that from my own, like, relapses. They're already in pain. And I also know from my own relapses that, you know, that's God's time. And, and, and God will, you know, find you know, either, either, you know, I don't know their path, but the more that I can be of support, um, and I think it's really painful, you know, I've been to meetings where I see people who I know are relapsing, and it's hard for them to even look me in the eye, you know, and, and, um, you know, so I think it's the softest place I can, I can be with them, and, you know, I don't, for me, I know my feet are made of clay, and I know that, anyone who who um, relapses you know that could be me just as easily I don't judge anyone 
And um, and so it says, you know, you may spoil a later opportunity if you're judgmental because this person, I have seen people come back after, you know, so many years and it's just, it's just like so exciting to watch when they do. Um, so if that'll pass, thank you. Thank you, Cindy B. And Katie S., you're up, followed by Sandy S. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And um, I just want to share that 34 years ago, yesterday, um, marks, you know, when I put down the food, uh, what has been the last time. And, you know, I couldn't have done that without someone carrying the message to me. Um, someone who had known me for six years and seen me go up and down and up and down and up and down, but she still carried a, a, a message to me and told me about a different meeting I'd never been to. And, you know, it was the disease, as, as, as others have shared, that had to convince me that I needed to do whatever it took to put down the food. And that's the same when I'm carrying the message to someone else. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. I can't tell you how many people have said to me over the years, what do you do? I, wanna, I want your diet. I want, you know, I want to eat like you do. And so then I lay it all out for them. I tell them, you know, <clears throat> what, I, what I do. And usually they walk away and they're not interested. Um, now, that's not always the case if they're in the room, but even then, you know, I, I have spot, I, I mean, I can't possibly tell you the names or the number of people that I have sponsored who have, I've walked through with them, you know, day after day for months and months, and then they say, no, thank you. You know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And for me, that is what this uh, 12 step is all about is, as uh, Lois said to Bill, but you stayed sober through this. And that's what it does for me is it solidifies my memory of what it was like for me. And there is no part of me that thinks that I could go back and have a different life than the one I had in the food. The disease had to persuade me into realizing that there's no other road for me that um, I'm not just a casual eater. I'm not just a heavy eater. I'm a chronic, low-bottom, compulsive overeater who did not hit the bottom that I could hit because I was only 27 years old. I didn't even weigh 200 pounds, but I was very close. And, you know, at 61, um, I could, you know, <laughs> I could do some eating. And there's no part of me that thinks that that would not be the case. But I share this message because I don't know. I don't get to decide who's ready to recover and who's not. I just carry the message. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, KDF. And Sandy S., you're up. Hi. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville, North Carolina, recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, I really have no idea what I'm going to say, but I haven't shared in a while. And I would like to share on the topic. Um, so I guess, you know, I really always look for the essence of something. 
And the essence for me was what convinced me I wanted to stop. And for me, it wasn't the pain of compulsive overeating. I didn't find it painful. I was eating and throwing up and I loved it. I mean, that sounds insane, but that was the truth for me. And, um, you know, what did stop me was somebody sharing with me that compulsive eating and love cannot coexist. I didn't know what that meant. It was, her name was Gloria from OA many years ago. And then I had a spiritual experience of ex- actually experiencing love. It was, it was, I don't know why. It wasn't as a result of working the 12 steps because in 1976, people weren't doing that like they are today. But that was what convinced me. It wasn't the pain. I didn't really feel the pain because I was eating and throwing up and that got rid of the pain. Uh, What really convinced me was experiencing love, experiencing something that was so much more fulfilling than food. I really don't know what is going to persuade somebody else. And I loved what someone shared. I really want to get to know the other person better. And that's, that's really letting go of me and my ways and my controlling aspects of sponsoring people is really asking God to help me really know this person and what will work and really knowing how to present the message to somebody or maybe not present the message. And there is somebody in my family that's in that situation where people don't know how to present the message to that person, and I'm helping them with that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy S. And this morning we have read the first paragraph of page 90 that begins when you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous and sharing on that one paragraph. And who else would like to share this morning? Nessa R. Nessa R. Ross M. Ross G. Roz G. And and Carol K. And Katie P. Sorry, say again. Was that Katie P? Katie P. Thank you, Katie. Esther C. Esther C. Okay, let's stop there and see. See, I think we'll be able to fit everybody in. I have Nessa R. Russ M. Roz G and Carol K, Katie T and Esther C. So Nessa R, please share with us. Thank you. Good morning. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I have three stories um, that I, I want to share. I'm sure I've shared them here before. Um, you know about uh, wanting to stop and how to tell if a person doesn't want to stop, and it kind of dovetails on what. Um, everybody else has shared before. Um, the first story um, um, happened to me when, um, right before I came to OA, like in 2001 or something like that, you know, like my husband was at his at wit's end with my compulsive overeating and my weight, and he signed me up to this very expensive weight loss program. It was a comprehensive program that lasted six months. It was uh, multidisciplinary, you know, there was a nutritionist, a kinesiologist, uh, I'm trying to remember what else. Uh, occupational therapists, uh, uh, endocrinology, like a whole bunch of people. 
um, in those six, and you know, like I went, um, not because I wanted to go, I went because he signed me up. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't stop eating. And the miracle of that, 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 uh, that time was that during that time, I, I only gained two pounds in those six months, which is for me a, a great victory. But it didn't help, you know, I, just, I, I finished my time and went back to doing what I was doing. Um, another time, um, I was talking to a beautiful mother in my son's um, nursery class, and I asked her, you know, like, what do you do? Um, and I was hoping to, for some magical answer that would enable me to have all my cheesecake and still be thin. And she said to me, um, I work very hard for my body, and I didn't ask any further questions. I didn't want to know because I didn't want to do what she was doing. And the third story is um, my only time when I actually approached a prospect outside of this room, a friend, um, a, um, a relative of a dear friend of mine, uh, a housebound woman, um, maybe 350, 400 pounds, I'm not really sure. And, um, you know, she had been sent to a, a rehab place you know, for all her ailments, like a convalescent place, and put onto this um, kind of 12-step program, but it wasn't really, I don't even know how to describe it. And so I saw an opening, and I told her about myself, and I told her what I did, and she never showed any interest. And I kept uh, talking to her, and I said, you know what, I'm going to tell her how I eat, and maybe that will um, spark some 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 um, um, buying in, you know, my identification and she said to me but I don't eat like that and I asked her so then why are you so fat and she said I don't know and at that point I knew I had to back off what made me ready was the pain um, this lady sadly actually uh, died last year um, of compulsive overeating although of course that's not what her death certificate says uh, diabetes and this and that and the other thank you and uh, she never reached that pain threshold. I did reach that pain threshold. Um, pain was what made me stop. Until we get to that pain level, uh, there's nothing anybody or anything uh, can do um, to help us. So uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nessa R. And Russ M., you're up, followed by Roz G. Thank you uh, for taking the meeting. I appreciate it. Russ M., Recover Compulsive Overeater outside of Philly. So, you know, this brings up a couple things for me. When Once I got through the steps and I had a chance to sponsor, you know, I want to throw the cape on and put the suit on, Captain OA, and, you know, kind of be like a prophet, man, proselytize people, get in their face. This is what I'm doing, and guys would come to me. You know, you'd match up with uh, uh, per, per, uh, perspective um, sponsees and, you know, either I would scare them away or I came on too strong, and it would frustrate me. And, you know, my handsome, great, good-looking single sponsor used to say to me, you can't worry about their recovery. you got to worry about your recovery. And as my grand sponsor says, sponsoring and working with others has a 100% recovery rate. And it kept me out of the food, but I had to change my deal. I had to change the way I do it. And... The success, I, 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 you know, we have with our, our sponsees, I think, is sometimes in the way we live our life. I can't be beating people over the head and trying to force, the, 
force this on them. You know, like I couldn't do it for myself. Now I'm going to do it for someone else. And uh, it just didn't make sense. I had to be humbled with that. And I, I continue to struggle with it, but I work on it because I don't want to see anybody hurt. Now, I don't want to see anybody jacked up, but I can't live that, their life. I can't get them to their bottom. I can only worry about my recovery and trying to share this because I owe it. I owe it. So I can't deny anybody. And, uh, you know, I'm always there to help help somebody. But it was a whole different perspective. A whole, You know, it's a growing pain and program, how I had to mature sharing the message. You don't have to beat anybody's head. You know, you don't have to beat them up with it. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, our, our, you know, our actions speak louder than our words. Just living this life, recovering and staying in the process, and God will work the rest out. It was just a lesson. So, love you. You have a beautiful day. Thank you, Russ M. And Roz G., you're up, followed by Ann Carol K. Good morning. Um, my name's Roz G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And, um, boy, this brings up a lot for me. This brings up some, some character qualities that, that I needed to develop, which are patience and grace. In my early days of OA and no big book recovery, uh, I was a, a I was a substitute teacher at a at a probation camp, and um, a lot of a lot of overweight teachers hid out in that place, and um, I mean like morbidly obese people that had a hard time walking, and I. I was like a couple of the other people that I've heard in in a way on this meeting this morning is I wanted to save them. And so I was in OA with no, no big book recovery and thinking that I could still eat desserts on Fridays only. Um, and I, and I told them about overeaters anonymous and both of them, one of them didn't speak to me for a really long time. And the other one looked as, at me as if I was like just this, just crazy, a blank stare. Um, and I and I and I was in myself and in my um, self righteousness, and you know couldn't understand why they didn't want what I thought I had. And it has taken me so much ego reduction, and so much meditation practice to see that myself included, I have to take the actions to to get the results of this program and over the you know past few years or I don't even want to say few years because I I I have uh over over a little over two years of abstinence a long time in the program but just a few years of abstinence two of them um I've I'll put my name out for sponsorship and I get lots of calls and sometimes we'll get started and the person, people will tell me I'm, I'm not ready or I'm in the food or I ate this. And I just, I just have to say, God bless you. God bless you. It was, you know, whatever work we did together was wonderful. 
And then people, sometimes it takes them a little while to get in some more pain, as we're going to read again in a little bit later, um, to call back. Or they found somebody else and it worked out with them. And I don't have to feel that it was my fault that I did something wrong. Because all I tried to do and all I try to do is to carry this message. And that's humility and grace and patience. And what I pass. Thank you, Roz G. And Ann Carol K., you're up, followed by Katie T. Uh, um, good morning. Um, I am on uh, my second day of abstinence, having found a new sponsor um, day before yesterday. Um, it's uh, different, um, but I guess uh, my endurance is, a little, is different. Um, so th- this morning I was facing uh, a weighed three ounces of EM that I didn't have yesterday because I'd had uh, uh, cancer surgery in the thoracic region and I just couldn't get it in. So I was sitting there and I thought, let me let me get to listen to the meeting, which I did from the beginning. And there it was, um, do I really want this? And what's talking to me anyway so i can't tell you because about you know this paragraph i've been dropped so many times been told people don't like you an amazing uh, sense of rejection about myself but here i am on the second day of abstinence and i even recall when i was sponsoring because i'm coming back having been a sponsor um not wanting to drop someone having been the subject of many rejections so I really hesitated to throw someone to the bus. Uh, so I think when she had said as part of her lunch, she had pita bread, I think I reacted um, with a tone of voice. And I don't think I heard from her again. And a couple of months later, she called me and she had found another sponsor and was abstinent. I don't know whether she's listening today, but it felt good. I'll tell you this. Uh, share a little, a little jealous. Maybe I wasn't totally recovered at that time, but I was happy for her. So that's my part. The reason I'm sh- I'm sharing is I just wanted to say it is so hard to uh, be dropped. And looking back, uh, perhaps the sponsors that dropped me are a little fearful of uh, my shares, a little frightened of me. Maybe, I don't know. It's not my job to second guess that, but um, that's it. I'm just sharing from the perspective of being a sponsee how difficult it, it is to be dropped. And, and also for anyone uh, not starting the process, get in there and start, just get into life. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, and Carol Kay. And Katie T., you're up, followed by Esther C. Uh, good morning, fellows. This is uh, Katie T., a compulsive overeater in uh, Taylor, South Carolina. Uh, I am so excited to be on the line this morning because um, it's hard to want this recovery. It's hard to, uh, I mean, it's easy to want it, but it's hard to commit to the path that takes us to recovery. Um, And I'm excited because I get to be rigorously honest this morning that for over a year at least, 
my program after being recovered and having a beautiful freedom from uh, even a desire or a thought of uh, turning to my foods, I had, um, you know, ceased going to meetings and gave myself the excuse that it would, they would Zoom. I didn't like Zoom. Um, bewailing the fact that I didn't have a good connection with a higher power, even though I had a connection, and not facing the fact that I wasn't doing the work that our program prescribes to be in touch with that higher power, to access the power that I need. And there was a gradual um, deterioration of my program until, uh, you know, a few days ago, I had a major uh, days of binge and on sugar. And I got so sick, even after I'd stopped, that I went and took a COVID test because I was feeling so ill. I turned to someone I thought could help me. Um, I was desperate, and that person uh, is is working with me now. And uh, it's a beautiful thing that God brought me to a place where I was truly willing to do whatever I was asked or told to do, and that I'm embracing it, that I'm grateful to God for the sickness that um, made me face this. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm humbled. I uh, don't have to have any shame over not being able to say recovered, even though I had been prideful about that. I've been humbled. I'm grateful. Um, and I just hope that this speaks to somebody else out there who is, you know, not doing their morning uh, prayer and meditation, who's not doing their evening review, who's not turning to God throughout the day, who's not following a sponsor's direction and guidance, um, to encourage you to, um, you know, go to God on your knees if need be. I, I was doing that for a week before, actually on my knees for a week before, uh, I found I found the answer which God brought to me. Enough pain, enough misery. So that's it. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you, Katie T and Esther C. Please share with us. Good morning. My name is Esther C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada. So when I, you know, looking at this paragraph, it seems to me that it's referring to a situation where I, you know, go out looking for prospects and really not spending time with anyone who's not interested. But I, that hasn't been my experience in OA. I haven't really had to go out to find uh, sponsees. I could just look to my right and my left at meetings and there'll be somebody there who could, you know, wants to be sponsored. So I, I assume when I'm approached uh, by a prospect that that prospect wants to stop eating. Uh, one of the things I find about sponsorship, at least to me, is that it's a, it's an easy job. I mean, yes, it does take up time, and like the big book says, our phone jangles at all hours. But the actual carrying the message, to me anyways, is easy because all I have to do is share my experience. I know my experience. I know my story both before and after recovery, so I don't need to prepare or do research or anything like that. This is a little different maybe than some other types of teachers or the traditional teachers, right? Their job is to figure out a way to get the students to understand. But I don't see it as my job to get 
the sponsee to recover, right? I'm saving my life. It's really the only life that I can save. Um, I can give suggestions or offer ideas, certainly if they ask, but there, you know, comes a point uh, that, um, you know, they've got, they've got to, you know, do the work of figuring out how they're going to recover. I, my experience has been that I haven't had to drop sponsees. I think there was one way at the beginning, but mostly they dropped me. I Perhaps they're hoping that I'm going to figure it out for them or they're looking for a different kind of sponsor relationship where someone will, like, you know, you know hold them up and take good care of them. Um, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not that what I understand that I'm meant to do. And so they, you know, they could get turned off and it's not working for them. Uh, I, when I'm working with a sponsee, we do step work together. I have, you know, obviously people I call for fellowship or make outreach calls, and that's one thing. But working with a sponsee, we do step work together. What are you up to? That's what we talk about. So nobody, a, a, pro, a prospect or a sponsee doesn't get to call just to say hello. And I think that's part of it. It's like we're doing step work. We're doing step work. If you, if you have a problem, if someone's bothering you, that's not what we're up to. And that's usually the point where they get turned off. Again, perhaps they're looking for someone just to um, unload to or or want to avoid the work that they have to do and just want to schmooze. So I say when you complete the step work that you've been assigned, call. It could be one hour. It could be one day. It could be one week. It could be never. And many of them often never call back. Um, chronic relapsers, it's not my story. I don't I don't always know what, you know, what we could do. I try a little bit of this. I try a little bit of that. We, we've gone back and, you know, read the big book and they'll you know, they'll start to feel like this isn't working. How, how many times could we, I review the same thing? Maybe they need a, a new twist or something. And I say, yeah, perhaps, but that's your job. Go out there, make tons and tons of outreach calls, find out. I'm happy to, you know, do it together with you. But again, the work is, oh, thank you. Work is your to do, yours to do, not mine. So sponsors self-select. Most of them, I would say, leave me. It's not always a match. But my agenda is that I'm here to help. I have no agenda other than serving. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther C. And I think we have time for one or two more shares. We have read the first paragraph on page 90 that begins when you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous. Would anyone else like to share? Linda D. Linda D. Katie G. Katie G. Yay, we got two. Linda D., please share with us. Linda, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Thank you. Sorry. I've been uh, Linda D. from Connecticut. I've been sponsored by so many people. I've learned so much. The main thing that I've learned is that this program works. I have a deadly disease, and I better shut up and listen not only to all of you, but my primary relationship is with God. And that's inside, and I'd better be listening because the only message I have is what I live. And I have to live it each day with my higher power, which is within. And I will hear suggestions from without. The ones I hear from within are the ones that guide me. They guide me through good. They guide me through Awful, awful stuff. I am so grateful for all of you. I can't do this alone, and I don't have to. I have all of you to teach me how to live. 
and I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And Katie G., please share with us. Hey, Lisa, thanks for taking the meeting, Katie G. You know, I wasn't going to share because I shared once this week, but um, I just wanted to offer some experience. Um, When I came into these rooms, I just didn't want consequences for my behavior. Like, I am an entitled, um, self-righteous addict, and I wanted people to cater to me. And if they told me the truth, it hurt my feelings. And I have to tell you that the women who said to me, Katie, I'm, I'm offering you this only solution I have. I can't do this for you. They're the ones that taught me the most. Um, this isn't about being fired. Like I fired myself. Um, a lot of times people will call me and they'll say, you know, I'm in the food, but my sponsor said I, I don't have to go back to step one. If I'm in the food, I'm at step one, whether the sponsor puts me there or not. Um, we are sick people. And I think um, a lot of times in my codependency, I think that just loving somebody and offering them flowers and roses that somehow I'm important and I'm God and I can get them to recovery. And really all I have to share is what works for me. Um, and that's it. And um, it's amazing how over the years when you stay in the rooms, people come back, they come back and nobody's ever saying, wow, that was a great time, you know? And um, I definitely started off as an evangelist and today it's like, I can't fight my own disease. I'm not going to fight anybody else's. Here are the instructions as laid out in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't mess with the allergy. I don't mess with the obsession. If you want the solution, I'm happy to work with you. If you're going to stay in the problem, um, I, I don't. I don't have anything else to offer. Um, this 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 program is vital to me. I cannot water it down. It's about getting a relationship with God, and I don't need just a little relationship with God. I need, I'm all in. I need God a thousand percent. So. I don't know the 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 people that make me mad when I'm when I'm uncomfortable. They're the ones that are teaching me. They're the ones that uh, get me to God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Um, and there's one minute if anybody has a quick share or a quick thought. All right. Thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, October 8th, 2021, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 17,891. That's 17891. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Sam S., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.